I go to the shelter, I pick up the kids, and then I take them to the movies or skating to the park or whatever, have snacks again, so that they could have that positive interaction with the police so that if they ever had a negative or if they did, they could remember, well, I've had a positive interaction with the police and all police officers are not the same. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the interrogation room. My name is Dale, host of the Black and Blue Podcast. Thank you for joining me here today. Uh, Today's guest is a really, really cool one. She recently retired after 28 years of service with the Indianapolis Police Department. Everybody, please help me welcome in. Give me a warm, give her a warm welcome, Sharon Franklin. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing out there in California? Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yes, out here in California, sunny California. Southern well, California. It was sunny here today. It was sunny yes. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were in Indianapolis, right? Yes, sir. All right. And, and how's things going over there with the COVID-19 stuff? Uh, well, if you follow the directions, uh, if you follow the directions and instructions, it would be going fine. Actually, I had a COVID test on um, Wednesday and I got my results back today. Okay. And they were negative. Nice. Congratulations. Because I follow instructions. <laughs> so you've been staying at home and all that, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good for you. Let's, you know, a lot of states are starting to open up. Is is uh, Indiana starting to open up too? Oh yes. I was um out driving around today and I saw so many people and I was I was really thinking, oh, this is uh, I'm going back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you continue to stay safe and uh, you know. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned before, you uh, recently retired after 28 years with the Indianapolis Police Department. Congratulations there. Thank you. Um, I had a plan. Um, I had a plan when I joined the police department, you know, state. Well, when I was in the police academy, I remember one of the, one of the instruct, instructors saying, you would know when it's time to go. And at, with 28 years and at 56, it was it was time to go. Um, but you have to plan it in advance. Um, I planned it three years in advance to leave three years later. Um, but I mean, I've, I've had a, a good career. And I, I, now that I've been in the house, really chilling, I'm ready to go back to work. <laughs> I've been uh, in the house for a year. Yeah. Oh, for a year now, huh? Yes. Yeah. Well, but part of that, you know, three or four months of that has been this COVID stuff. So, you know, you got, you got any plans of what you want to do as far as well, going back to work? Actually, after my retirement, I did, um, I did a, well, two jobs. I and mean, they were government jobs. One was um, testing um, the uh, kids at school for um, 
their like diagnostic tests. My job was to go set up computers that was fed back to the Department of Education. And then I took another job with a company and I really liked that job. Um, that job was, um, they, this particular company did all the military screenings for the, uh, the reserve, the military reserves. And that was kind of, that tugged at my heart and was a uh, passion of mine because I was in the military. I actually did uh, nine and a half years active duty. And then I did um, 10, 10 and a half, well, 11 years in the reserve. So I retired from the military as well. So oh, wow. I like the job um, where, you know, you go and because you're interacting with the soldiers and, and you know for yourself, when you're at a particular job, you speak a certain language. Every job has its own language. So the military job, um, I understood their language and being a police officer, I understand the language. So, um, but right now, yeah, I'm at, unfortunately, um, nine months after retirement, I found out I had breast cancer. So I'm, I'm just kind of dealing with that. And then I'll worry about work after that uh, or what am I supposed to do after that. Yeah, definitely. Worry about your health first. Yes, yes. Yeah. How, how, is, how is that progressing? Um, treatment. The treatment, uh, it's true. Chemo, I mean, I was healthy. I ran, I walked, I exercised a lot. Uh, avid, avid believing um, in working out just because of being in the military and being on the police department. And um, actually, so I still have to have a uh, mastectomy, which is uh, coming up. And, and that part has been rough. I mean, that's been more rough than being on the police department. Uh, but I'm, I'm dealing with it. I, you know, I told one of my little mentor police officer uh, kids, I call them my kids because they they are the same age as my daughter. I said, because of my DNA, I have to keep pushing forward. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll be praying for you on this end. Definitely. Right, thank you. Definitely. So, uh, so what'd you, what'd you, uh, some of the assignments that you did at the police department over the years? Well, let, let me tell you a little bit about myself. First of all, uh, again, like you said, I, uh, was, I was on the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department for 28 years. Um, I was in the army for nine and a half years. I got out of the military and I worked as a surgical technician for a year, but I was missing the camaraderie of being in the military because I liked that cohesiveness that the military brought. I am a person that believe in discipline. I mean, in rules, we have to have rules and I'm a rule follower. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I've never done anything bad. I was a bad teenager, but you know, fortunately, I got through those, that period in life. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine I was in a reserve with, she and her mate came by, and he was in his, his state trooper uniform. I was like, they, that would have the same camaraderie as the military. And so I applied for the state police. I didn't make it there, but then I applied for the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, made it there. And... Uh, that that career was um, rewarding. I've always had my eye on the prize. I always figured like this, if you're not going to be rich, but you're going to get older and you're going to retire, you better be thinking of what it's going to pay you when you're in retirement. So I always call myself a pension chaser. What, what jobs have pensions? That's why I finished the military reserves. So when I get 60, I'll get that extra check coming in. Yep. I mean, you have to have some uh, discipline about your money too, uh, to, you know, to live within budget restraints. 
And then, uh, then I thought about the police department, the pension. But I was talking to a younger officer today, and I was telling him, you know, when we when I first came on in 1991, uh, the group I was with, we had fun. We were having so much fun at work that we would actually show back up at work and it'd be our our days off, our RDOs. You know what those are, regular days off. Yeah. Because we forgot because we were so having so much. Fun. I mean, now don't get it. Don't get me wrong. There were early on in my career. I when I went to work, I would think that I was not coming back home. But I mentally I was prepared for that as well. But again, um, I kept my eye on the prize. With my retirement, I'm not going to be rich, but I have a pension coming in. I have a roof over my head. And so I had uh, goals set uh, set up. All right. And um, and and the police department, as long as well for me, got to remember. You know, you should know this too, Dale. You have to remember. Everybody's career is not going to be the same. We all can sit at the same table and eat the same food, but some of us are going to gain right. weight. Some of us not. So everybody's right. career is not the same. Uh, I have a girlfriend who worked on the west side. Her career wasn't the same as my my career on the the northeast side. Uh, you know, you got different clientele. I'll tell you the story. I remember uh, one day because I, I worked I worked in the hood. But I remember one day when I got my first run. I probably been on for a year and I got a run and it was to some white people's house. And I remember going, some white people having some issues. It's some, you know, I was. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen in those neighborhoods and those houses. Right. right? right. And I was like, <laughs> oh, OK, wake up, yeah. little girl. Wake up. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everywhere. Throughout my, right. Throughout my career, I've been able to start programs. I remember giving the homeless blankets. They used to call me the blanket lady. I remember uh, writing a letter to the mayor. I got in trouble, but I remember writing a letter to him saying, if you want police officers to live in the area in which we patrol, then you need to make those areas livable. And I told him, especially for the area I live in, I needed street lights because the street lights on the next street were being shot out. He came out and rode with me the next day. They said, okay, where do you want these street like these covers? I told him we need a bulletproof covers over the street lights. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so we got uh-huh. those. Um, I started another um, program with uh, um, with a mentoring uh, with young girls. It was called uh, Yaya, Youth and Young Adults. I had this idea because I was running into these young girls who were just they were wilding out and they were wilder than the guys. And I was thinking, okay, they need some, they need some guidance. So the police department allowed me to start this program called Youth and Young Adults. It was me and another officer. And um, I went in three schools in, in, the, in the inner city and um, I, I partnered with the social workers, partnered with the social workers. And because I said, Listen, let me come in and teach them social skills. Let me come in and teach them about, uh, you know, how to act, you know, because we all know people are judging us. We all do it. They're judging us when we from the time we open our mouths. Right. Right. So and I wanted to teach them personal hygiene because I learned these girls, you know, they didn't know that you not supposed to smell like fish. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Okay. So so I got a curriculum together. I got with another agency, um, put the curriculum together, made CDs. And I got I uh, partnered with another agency that gave me food because I understood. First of all, you had to understand people, too. 
So I understood you have to, you know, have a snack for them that would draw them in and make them want to listen to you. And that was another program. Now the program that they have on the police department now that I, that ended with me when I left was the mental health. The police, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department have the mental health because I had a deputy chief that believed in what I was telling him. And at the time I was in the master's program. I was getting a master's degree late in life, but I was writing these papers and I started researching mental health problems. And then I started thinking about the runs that the officers were getting. And most of the runs were mental health runs. People can't handle their mental health or as they call it, Dalla daddy. Parents can't raise their kids. But oftentimes Mm -hmm. the kids are rebelling because when you go in their house, you look at the parents and you're thinking, yeah, this is why the kid is probably rebelling. Yep. We need some mediation in here more so than the kid needs to go to juvenile or this person needs to go to jail. So as a matter of fact, I was supposed to come to Los Angeles because you guys have the perfect blueprint for the mental health program um, to receive direction and then bring it back. But I never got a chance to get there. But needless to say, we started a pilot program, and for a while, my partner was a mental health worker, and we would we just respond to those runs. And then my mental health partner, whose name was Tim, would triage. And then we had um, come together holistically. We had a, a group of agencies that partnered with us, mental health agencies. And so then I would my job was to triage and send them to these different agencies um, to start the intervention. And we raise money because, too, I understood sometimes a kid is not going to talk in front of their parent. Yeah. So we raise money. And so we had this fun of, fun of money. And then I would either take the kid or the parent. We'd go to McDonald's, Burger King, somewhere to talk, a neutral place so that they could, uh, you know, feel comfortable in talking so we could get to how we're going to solve this issue. Right, right. Yeah, mental health is a is a major major thing nowadays that you know a lot of agencies across the nation are you know teaming up with mental health professionals you know because you know we've got a lot of mental health issues out there we got homeless people we've got you know juveniles that are having issues and like you say you know wilding out and we've got you know drugs and there's all sorts of things that mental health is playing into so it's good that we're partnering with these people and these agencies and and getting stuff done at least trying to Right. Absolutely. And so each we have five, I think, five districts uh, and each of the five district districts have a, a mental health team that, um, that respond to the mental health runs. And um, so that those are two of the major things that I can remember. I, I have done so much. I mean, I've worked all over. I worked in arson. I worked in ag, ag assaults. Um, I was downtown district. I used to uh, had a program there as well because I felt like kids, most of the kids that were in the homeless shelter, when they dealt with the police, it was usually in a negative situation or a negative interaction. So I asked my deputy chief, can I start a program where I go to the shelter, I pick up the kids. And then I take them to the movies or skating to the park or whatever, have snacks again so that they could have that positive interaction with the police so that if they ever had a negative or if they did, they could remember, well, I've had a positive interaction with the police and all police officers are not the same. 
you know, and to judge a person based on what they're seeing or their merit. So that was a, another one of the programs. Every most of well, everything I did was positive. It was for the betterment of the of the community um, as well. Uh, I always try to I believe in social social capital. I always and for people that don't know what social capital is, you got to look it up. I have a girlfriend that's that's a mental health worker. And she's always <laughs> giving me these big words or these words. She's, but I understood the bad. I didn't know it was social capital. But I understood the value of relationships. If you're not going to be rich, but you're going to need some things done, you need to form relationships across all different spectrums. Like, uh, because you don't understand how much you can get done. Like, we talk about wealthy people. Okay, yeah, they have money and they can buy this and this. But if we have connections, we can get things done behind the scene, you know, with with connections as well. Yep. And definitely. I pride myself in that. Uh uh, my daughter, uh, I always tease her. <laughs> she lives in Berlin, Germany. Okay. And, and nice. so uh, she always teased me about being in politics or, you know, contributing to politics. I say, yeah, because if something happened and I need some help getting you home, I need to have contributed to somebody's campaign so right. I can call them and say, hey, <laughs> hey I, need exactly. to, I need to get my daughter. <laughs> so that's part of the social capital yeah. um, aspect. But again, um, someone called me, um, and you should always keep that social capital. Someone called me the other day and they needed something uh, from a city counselor. And because I have that, that relationship, I was able to call this person. I probably haven't talked to this person since 2008, but they answered the, my phone call, which was the most important part. So let me go back. So during this time while I was on the police department, I got a wild hair to, I decided I wanted to run for office. <laughs> so I, was, I lived in a Republican dif- a district. I was living in a Republican. Uh, and let me just say this. People in, in you know, you're a product of your environment. Most yep. people don't like to n- not think about it, but you're a product of your environment, be it liberal, whatever. Okay. So, even people here in Indiana, if they say they're Democrat, they're Democrat, but they are they are, are they're reserve they're conservative, and they're conservative because you live in a conservative environment. Your environment does rub off on you. But anyway, I live in a Republican district. Democrat Democrats didn't win out here, but I ran anyway. Put my name on the ballot. What I have, what my motto was: What did I have to lose? But I won. <laughs> But you won. All I right. won. That was in 2003. So from 2004, four, five, six, seven, from 2004 to 2007, I was on city county counselor. But because I was honest and I stuck to principle and I believe in rules, you better believe they came up with a law that said you can't because they couldn't control me. Right. You can't be a police officer or a fireman and or, or a city worker and be on a city council. What? <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's really? The, that's the Sharon law. The Sharon, <laughs> the Sharon law, no Sharon. doubt. Wow. Right. But I, I learned a lot. And um, some of the people that I was on the council with, they're still there. And they let me know the level of respect because fast forward, what is it, 10, 12, 13 years later, I, I had to reach out for someone else. But yep. be- because I was honest, you know, um, I, I always so said did they. This, did they run you out of office on that on that uh, ruling, or or how, or did they just wait till your term was up? 
<laughs> well, actually, uh, I didn't win re-election. Listen, I didn't win re-election, but I won't even get into that. No, no. I didn't win re-election. They didn't want me to. And half of them that didn't want me to didn't end up winning either. See oh, what okay. happened when you're not about to. <laughs> yep, so. yep. All right. Wow. Wow. Did you did, uh, did you grow up in Indiana, Indianapolis? Um, yes, I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, I left uh, home. I grew uh, left home right out of high school and went straight to the military. Uh, and okay. I loved the military. The only reason why I got out the military is because I was married and uh, they were going to send me to Germany and my husband didn't want to go to Germany. And I was trying to keep the family together. So I got out. But you know what? I believe in God. And so the path, my path, has, I mean, has been rough, but, it, you know, you take the good with the bad. Right, right, right. And so how'd your daughter end up in Germany if you didn't go or did you go? <laughs> I got you. A funny story is I got out of the military because I had gotten orders for Germany and I didn't want to go because I didn't want to split up the family. Mm-hmm. And... um so I decided, okay, I'll just get out because I believe a parent kid should be with two parents. And so I got out because I didn't want to go to Germany. And what happens, she still end up in Germany. So I should have yeah. just went to Germany anyway. Yeah. But what, no, what is she doing over there? She, um, she works for Universal Studios. She's actually the um, international marketing director for Universal Studios. But she... Um, graduated from college and moved to New York and from New York, she just called one day. It's like, I'm moving to Berlin. I said, Berlin. And I actually thought she'd be back home. She's been there for four years now. Wow. Does she like it over there? She loves it. She, she loves it. I've been there twice. And a funny story is I am divorced from her dad. My, uh, I'm divorced from her dad. But he and I went together over there in August of year. I said, okay, so now we all still end up in Germany anyway. <laughs> still end up in Germany anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Dutch. <laughs> you yeah. Dutch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Do you know a little German? <laughs> all right. So, so you grew up in, in, uh, over there in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, once you got out the military, since you were, uh, coming back and you were looking for that camaraderie, you went to the uh, the police department and then you got in there and then, uh, you know, you've, you've run a lot of programs. It sounds like you, you told me you, you, you got that uh, social capital, which you <laughs> said, you know, it sounds like every time you went to your, to your deputy and said, Hey, I need this done. It sounds like you got it done, huh? And, and, and what he used to tell me is his motto is if it's good for the people, it's good for the community, it's good for the police department. And uh, of course, you know, you had to lay out like a business plan, not a business plan, but you have to sell it. I had to sell it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, but because it was always so, so positive and it sounded sustainable and it wasn't costing anything. Um, yes, they, um, I was allowed to do the those programs. Oh, right. You have to be innovative. I mean, you you can't, you, you have to be innovative. And that's my message too, you know, with the young people now, um, they have to think about, you You got to run for office. You can't wait for permission. And if a person tell you you can't, since it's your right, um, you, you can still do it. You may not have the support, but you might mess around and win. Because the truth of the matter is, even though I lost election, 
uh, re-election in 2007, so did the, the popular mayor with a whole bunch of money. And the person that beat him was a person that was little known and only had $50,000. Wow. So if you wait for permission, if you really want to make change, you know, I, I look at, at at what's going on in the community and it sad, it saddens me. But what I do know that, again, with any job, you're ch- you're taken from the population. So that's even with uh, working at McDonald's, uh, White Castles, Crystals. I'll say Crystals. Del Taco. You st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have Crystals out here. I don't think. At least, you, at you least have not out my Taco. area. Yeah. Okay, so my first duty station was Fort Ord, California, which was down in Monterey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so you know Del Taco. Yeah. So I know Del Taco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you still, you got to remember you're taken from uh, the general population and with any job, you have to remember whatever environment that a person uh, is raised in, though they're going to go through training with with any organization, they're still going to have the, that foundation. In doing mental health, what I found out too, the adolescent brain really isn't developed to age 25 and they call, um, the other thing is, so they call it the formative formative years. So your brain is still developing all the way in your formative years. Because even now at my age, at 50 something, I find myself. I, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. <laughs> I find myself um, longing for certain things. And those things that I'm longing for were in my formative years. Korea. I want to go back to Korea so bad because Korea was a place I went when I was 20. That's where the military went out. They sent me there. I still can speak a little Korean. And that was embedded in me at 20, but I can still remember some of the language. And uh, coming back to um, California, believe it or not, last November, I wanted to go back to Fort Ord. I just wanted to go because that was ingrained in me in my formative years. It was my first duty station. I was 19. I came back to California in, in uh, last November and went right back to Fort Ord. So again, what we have to realize, but you, you have to want to change. So I cannot, you know, bash or defend, but I, I, I will say that, you know, within any organizations, you're going to have, you know, different type of personalities. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You know, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Indianapolis is pretty conservative. I would say the the whole Midwest is a pretty conservative, um, but it's, it's a pretty diverse city, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. But you, you, you know what? The United States is diverse. And as soon as our leaders start saying we are a country made up of a diverse population, and define because if you think about it, even with the with the um, Los Angeles Police Department, what what do we have? Mission statement. So what is our mission statement? Okay, we are a diverse population with diverse people, and we need to understand how to make this work because it's not like we are from uh, we're in um, particularly let's say uh, Japan or. Korea, because most of their population is just one population. They're not diverse. Okay. But we are. And so, yes, Indianapolis is diverse. Yes, we do have a diverse community. Yes. The great melting pot. That's us. And that's Indianapolis. Yes, sir. Definitely out here in Cali. Uh, Did you, uh, you know, when you went into law enforcement, did you get any kind of pushback for, 
you know, being an African-American female in this profession? Okay, so I went into law enforcement in 1991. And no, you know what? People were proud. They were proud, proud of me and proud. And everybody wanted to use you. You were like the celebrity. Everybody wanted to know you. Oh, yeah, my police officer cousin or my police officer friend or you got invited everywhere. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you use that celebrity, huh? <laughs> yeah, I kind of Par- did. Yeah, parlay that into something. <laughs> exactly, because I listen, I am a plan. Listen, I am a person. I do not, I'm a proactive. I'm not reactive. I'm proactive. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Definitely see that with you. Yeah. Yeah. What was uh what was kind of the most rewarding part of your job when you were when you were working at the PD? The re- most rewarding part of the job came toward the end of my job. And that's when we were getting younger uh, African-American females and we kind of formed a, a, a circle around them, you know, to tell them, you know, what to expect. And, you know, but if you if you get in something that you don't, you know, you don't uh, understand, you have this group of older females that, that we're here for you. We're here to mentor you. And again, like you said, Officer Leith was part of that group. And um, uh, some of her other friends are still part of it. And we would have like dinners or, you know, go, they one day I didn't get to go. They went to like top golf. That's where you like swing golf balls and, uh, or you, we have little parties and, you know, where you talk and we laugh and you relax and you're de-stressing. That was the most rewarding part. And just to, you know, be able to talk to them and, and know that they're listening because, again, they are my daughter's age. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In their 30s and in their 20s. She obviously was only 24. She was a baby. Literally. Yeah. For, for, for some of the uh, the viewers and the, and the listeners they don't know about her story. Can can you kind of tell us what, what happened there with Officer Lee? Well, without elaborating, because I don't want to, you know, she was a young officer. She was a very beautiful officer. And yeah. her spirit, her personality was as beautiful as she was. And uh, she responded to a domestic disturbance. And the guy was shot from out inside the apartment and she killed her. Yeah. People don't realize that that's one of the most dangerous parts of our job is responding to domestics because people are heated for whatever reason. And, you know, we, we got to be there to be the peacemakers and we get we get caught in the middle a lot of times. Uh, there's even times when they're fighting, beating up each other and then we go to arrest them and then they beat up on us because exactly. they, they don't they don't want the other half taken. It's like, wait, man, he, he's blacking in your eye and broke your jaw. So, exactly. yeah, that, that's one of the most dangerous parts of that job there. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, and this is um, and to let you know that the young officer, the young female officers are listening. Um, the, the the Friday before Mother's Day, I was sitting upstairs and I was uh, minding my business, <laughs> basically. And I happened to look out the window and I saw all these police cars and I was like, oh, my God, a vehicle pursuit on my street. <laughs> I was like, like a citizen. And so I was actually talking to one of my friends as a police officer. And I was like, I had, I'll call you back. I'm going to run downstairs and see why the police are out here in front of my house. Right. And then I, st- and I saw some detective cars. I was like, oh, somebody must have committed murder. <laughs> 
And then uh-huh. I ran outside and it was all of them telling me to come outside. And it was the younger officers letting me know, hey, we love you. We're thinking about you. We got you. And that brought tears to my eyes. But it also let me know that the, the mentoring and the mothering that we we doing to them, that they that they're listening and they care. Because it really it was like a 30 year old. I'm, I'm saying that like, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You're not that far removed from 30. um, Yeah, I'm almost. But this is what I don't understand, Dale, with the young people. Um, They, they, um, within the community, the African-American community, they're bash the officers for wanting to be officers or calling them one of them. And probably these same people that are bashing black police, black police officers talking about that they're one of them or at home living with their still living with their parents who obviously has a measure of some success because they're still there and they have a roof over their head right or they're living in some half apartment that they have paying for but you're bashing a person for having a career as law enforcement that I that gives them good health insurance going to give them a pension, gives their child a better chance at start, you know, being in a more positive environment, i.e. school or whatever. You're bashing them. Um, and if you think about it, Dale, there isn't that many jobs, entry-level jobs anymore, where you don't have to have a, a where you don't have to have some type of education. You can still probably get in law enforcement with a, a GED or a high school education that is go- quickly fading. So bottom line is if you only got to have a GED or high school education, what kind of job are you really getting? Because there's so many college people that are competing for those jobs that they can take a college person anyway and not take you. But you'd rather see a black person probably struggle and not be doing anything than, than to be the police. Right. And so I don't understand that mindset because we have people on our department who have high school education and GED that are deputy chiefs or chiefs and majors, and they're making six figures. You are not going anywhere and making six figures with a high school diploma or a GED unless you are in uh, some kind of tech technology. You're inventing the technology. Right. So what I don't understand is why are they in this mindset? You know, the one thing my daughter did tell me, she said her boss asked her, "Um, are you worried about your family in America? She said, no, because they have good health insurance. (laughs) So what that let me know is if her parents or her family didn't have health insurance, she might be worried about what she was saying is if they get sick, I know they have a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely Definitely something. But, you know, I think a lot of the uh, the younger generations and, and it was before that it was before in our time too that they see law enforcement as the man, as you know, as the other side, the, the opposition. And I try to preach uh, and with this show and people that I come in contact with is, hey, if you feel that way, come join us, come be a part of the solution, not the problem. Don't just sit there and complain about the problems. Hey, come in. Be a part of this solution. And if we can infiltrate, if, you know, we can get multitudes of, of African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, all of us in this profession, then we can start making decisions and we can start, you know, you don't have to be afraid of 
uh, officers that don't look like you. Uh, not that you should be afraid of a lot of the officers that are they're out there doing good jobs anyway. But, hey, if you feel like you got a problem, come on in in the police department and, and be a part of the solution. That's that's my philosophy. Right. Absolutely. And the other thing I thought about as well, when I when I was on, OK, that was the time when Patrick Ewan, Reggie Miller, Dale Davis, Carl Malone. Uh, Michael You're Jordan. some names now. Okay. Well, exactly. <laughs> but because I worked at, uh, I worked at Marcus Square Arena security. So I came into contact with them. Uh, so, but those were the people then they're my age now <laughs> too. So those were the, 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 the basketball players that were, were playing ball when I, when I was working, you think about the players now that are, are playing. And I'm talking about, professional football as well, okay? Um, you think about the troubles that they're getting into. So these are the same peer group. they all the same peer group. But when I'm talking about my peer group, which you, like you said, most people are aware of, the, the most that they would get in trouble for was fighting, drinking and fighting at a club. That's all you would hear about. Oh, that person, oh yeah, this person was fighting at a club in New York or whatever, but right. that's it. They weren't killing, or you know, they weren't killing. Yeah. So, but you have this whole other generation. And I often laugh too as well. If you think about when we're policing, often we're policing people that are about the same age okay. as, as us. Okay. And so with this generation, they're policing the same gener- the same people that's at, of, of their age. And they, and what I'm saying is y'all came, they all came from the computer age or the, so they got the same mindset, no respect. So each of them don't want to respect each other. The police don't want to respect them. They don't want to respect the police. That's because that's what they were, the era in which they were, you know, they came up in. Yep. Yep. Just three words and 120 characters or something. They don't really have to interact with each other. And yeah, that's that's what a lot of these, these uh, generations are into now. Yeah, absolutely. Social media and all that. Yep. They can say whatever they want over social media, but when, you know, when you come face to face, that's a different story, but uh, yeah. Definitely. I, I see what you mean there. Definitely. So uh, what kind of changes do you see for uh, for law enforcement in the future? Uh, what kind of opportunities do you see? What kind of challenges do you see for, for law enforcement coming up in the future? Well, before uh, COVID, before COVID, I think most law enforcement were on track to change in policy where they didn't have to take people with a GED and a high school education. They were, they were moving toward um, taking people with, um, with um, college degree. You either had a college degree or have to have some college. I know uh, uh, the state police, I think the state police is like that here now. I'm not for sure. So don't know anybody that's listening. Don't quote me on that, but I'm thinking that they are. I'm not for sure. But I, I, I would say, would have thought law enforcement was, was trending toward that because it was so many people with college degrees. Um, since COVID, I think that um, they will probably have to change that because I, I believe that people are going to start, re, this particular generation will start rethinking how much um, interaction with people that, that do they really want. Uh, my next door neighbor, for instance, uh, it's a guy, he's going, he's a paramedic. He's going to school to be a nurse. And I was asking him, 
hey, you, you sure you still want to be a nurse? You want to be the police? You don't want to be a police officer? He's like, I don't want to do either one. Let let me know his mind. He's in his 30s. Let me know his mindset. Like, oh, do I really want <laughs> really? this interaction? Yeah, <laughs> right. wow. yeah I, didn't, I didn't think it had gotten that far. I know a lot of agencies across the country are having some problems recruiting. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, I would think that was before COVID. It's just, you know, again, back to this generation that, uh, you know, they don't want to be involved in law enforcement for a number of reasons. You know, all the social media, uh, bad coverage on law enforcement. We're talking about how a lot of uh, minorities don't want to be involved with law enforcement and, and social media has got a lot to do with that. You know, there's always going to be some bad, bad actors out there, bad characters out there in whatever profession. And, right. you know, right. in the police department, you know, it gets blown up. Uh, you know, on the news and social media, because that's all they wanted to see. They don't they don't want to show police officers out there feeding the homeless uh, out there with the kids. They they don't want to show that. So they just show, you know, all the the one percent that's out there doing dirt. And then, you know, nobody wants to be a part of that. So, yeah, it's it's been a big challenge. You know, when we used to have this term, I don't know if you guys use it use it if you don't like the police then stop paging them remember and i said well then why are you paging the police paging the police is doing bad stuff having bad behavior that means you paging us we are not coming if you're you're doing what you're supposed to be you're supposed to be doing don't page us <laughs> you <laughs> right? know yeah, yeah. So you're paging the police and then you get mad yeah. um, my, my friend of mine used to say okay with with a police officer Oh, you're making them think faster and make a decision in 2.1 second. You know, you got to right. process something. So right. you, you get your, your processing and the, and the average person isn't, isn't doing that. Uh, I, I never forget this run. Me and my partner was on and it was in the middle of the night. It was an alarm run. And uh, we were standing on each side of the door. We knocked on the door and uh, was at a residence. And the man came to the door with the gun. Okay. Oh. Now, neither, like I said, we both stand on the other side of the door, right? Neither one of us thought about shooting the man. We both jumped off the porch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And, and that's one thing they talk about. You know, they talk about, you know, all these uh, all these officers out there, and you got a person with a gun, and well, especially when it's somebody of color, the first thing they want to do is they want to shoot them. But however, when it's you know somebody not of color, you know they give them those chances to talk them down and all that. And sometimes I can see that, you know. But uh, you know, hey, anybody with a gun, you know, hey, I'm 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 getting ready. I'm ready. Right. So right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, they a lot of uh, the kids say that police are races and because they don't see it. white kids run from the police too, but yeah, yeah, they eventually stop, <laughs> you know, but they don't see it. We only get to see the negative stuff in the news. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, or, or the stuff that happens where there's a dramatic bad ending. We don't see every run that that's just a small percentage of, of something that happened in that day. And you only, you focus on that one event when there's been thousands of stuff that happened during that day where somebody's life was threatened or, you know, um, just before this call was, uh, somebody was supposed to be sending me a video where they said that they were going to start ambushing the police here 
And that, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just torn. I'm torn because I want our community to be so much better. And, you know, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's something we got we got to work on to together, you know, as a community. They got to work with the police and we got to definitely work with the community cuz you know, we we can't get things done without them. So, it's something we got to work together in a partnership, definitely. Well, what I've learned on this journey as well is we live in the United States and almost it's almost like 50 different small countries. I mean, when you go across the United States, if you travel, most people don't go out of their community. But if you travel, you'll see um, certain things are done. I mean, you know, there's just different customs. I'll say customs are different. Yeah, customs. Customs in different areas. And so, uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> I just wish that our community, you know, since we always wanted want a leader, I wish we would have a leader to come out in the front and say, okay, if we do everything right and then we're getting messed with, then okay. But if we're not doing everything as possible as we can as right, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to if you're doing something wrong, you're paging the police. OK, you're making the police, you're drawing the police to you. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I look across and I have to ask myself, I look across at all of the friends that I know that are police officers that have kids, black male kids in particular. And I look at the ones whose kids were successful, whose kids wasn't, and and try to think to myself, okay, what did that person, that kid was in a good household, stable household, nice school. What happened to that particular kid? You know, uh, and I just give you my own daughter, for example. I moved into the district so she would be in a good school district to give her that, that step up. And don't think she didn't go astray. Yeah. But I as, as they do, as they do, as yeah, they do, kids. Right. Yeah, but thank kids. God she listened and let me pull her back in. Yeah, but see, that started from day one, though. You know, uh, being that good household, like you said, installing some discipline, uh, teaching. Absolutely. All that stuff starts from day one, and you, you can't start. You know, when they're sixteen, by then it's too late. Right. You know, if you're trying you to know, start at sixteen, yeah. Absolutely. And people don't want rules. They don't understand rules. If if we didn't have rules, I mean, can you, there's a movie called Idiocracy. <laughs> and I, I always, you should, that movie is a good movie. People should watch that movie because that is the way the world is trending. It's like our world is trending to want to be dumber instead of smarter. Um, you know, I always pride myself. My friends always say, you're always on the internet. I'm always looking up new uh, new stuff, for instance. Um, I've heard of the Rwanda genocide. I didn't know that much about it. Watched the movie. The movie inspired me to want to know more about it. I ordered some books from Amazon so I can read, so I can enlighten myself. Because it's, it's my hope that I end up in uh, in the audience of some people that I need to inspire. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, what's, uh, what's in your future? What's in my future? What I, is in your future? Where, where do you see yourself in the next five years? I know you you were talking about thinking about going back to work. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to do any traveling? What, what's in your future? 
Uh, I I wish I had the answer to that because I, I was a germaphobe before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now so, you all the way over now. Uh, now I'm all the way yeah. over. Like I don't want to go out the house. <laughs> so I really, and it's 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 um, ironic that you asked me that because I had thought about that. Um, but at each stage, I'm gonna get through breast cancer first. Uh, I believe in letting God guide me because if I allow God to guide me, I've always ended up in better places. Uh, you know, I laughed um, and I was talking to a friend and we were laughing about this. I was like, that mayor wanted me off the 25th floor. He, I mean, he, no, I wasn't on the 25th floor. He wanted me not to be the city council. He got off the 25th floor and I ended up on the 25th floor. <laughs> <laughs> so when you let God guide you, then you usually end up in better place. I just do know that I have so I whereas I thought that I was ready to retire and really lay back. Once I got rested, I just still have passion and I still have energy um, to do so much more. And because I'm a thinker and I'm always um, proactive and I am one of those people that remember that game concentration. Did you ever play concentration? Yeah, you I know what you're talking all about. the cards on the table and you got to remember where the cards were. Yep. My mind is like concentration. I can remember things and then I can put stuff together. I'm also good with connecting people with other people for their good. So I don't know what's in my future. I got for, for all what I just told you, God definitely has to guide me, but I, I'm going to go back to my career on the police department. I had a great career. Uh, I loved being a police officer. It worked out for me. Uh, again, if people don't put their mind on what kind of money or income I'm going to have when I get old, do you want to just struggle and be in survival mode all the time? We need to, as a black community, start looking at those careers that are giving us going to give us a pension because they're going to go by the wayside. They are. And do you want to be struggling? Do you want to be that 70 year old person that's struggling uh, or trying to figure out where your food or where you're going to come from, is going to come from? Um, when I was on my way to get that coronavirus test, I got to the stoplight and I looked over and I saw this old man. Well, I ain't going to say he was old. He wasn't old, but he was in a wheelchair and he was kind of sitting off in the in the woods. And then I, I could see he had a tent, like a tarp made out of a tent. So actually, that was his house. And he was sitting out in the wheelchair, probably because he got tired of sitting in his tent. And I got sad because I was thinking... He, he doesn't probably have any food. The only food he's going to have is the food that he can go out and scrounge up. And so um, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did he end up there? Why is he there? And actually, I got sad. But then I thought about, okay, mate, with Sharon, you don't know his story. And that's the other thing. Everybody that's living have a different story. Some people have similar stories. Um but do you want to be that person that possibly end up in the tent because you got to 70 and you have no income coming in at all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like, you know, maybe that that's something that you can do uh, after you get over, you know, your health uh, issues here, you know, God willing, uh, we can get you back out there, whether it's with the police department or, or somewhere else, some agency 
that you can get out there and start, you know, helping these people out like you've been doing your whole career. That's what it sounds like. Something that uh, is a passion of yours and something that I, I could see you definitely going back to. So yeah, let, let, let's pray for you, get to your, your health, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. How about that? Thank you. I mean, I don't know if I have to say anything that can help anybody, but I, I hope that I can, I have. I mean, there's more to my story than just I was on the police department and I started all these programs. Again, like I said, I've had, I had some issues in the, uh, in the military, you know, some uh, unfortunate things that happened, but again, I kept moving forward, um, you know, with my life. Uh, I don't know what I can say to the, the this community that don't like the police. Um, again, I don't take for granted that there are probably some people that are being mistreated from, by the police. But on for the whole, every police is out, uh, officer is not out there mistreating everyone. Right, right, yeah. Well, we we we've been working at this since the dawn of time, and we're gonna continue. But hopefully, you know, baby steps along the way, we can get better at it. So. I appreciate you uh, you coming on, Sharon, and uh, telling us your story, and you know even your your health issues, and hopefully we'll we'll get you through that, and we we'll talk again and make sure that you know everything's all good with you. All right, there, it's nice meeting you. Okay, I'm gonna drive to California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we don't fall in the ocean, we'll be here. We'll be oh, here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for your time. uh, Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to let you go yet. You know, there's something I like to do with my guests before uh, I let them go. So let me uh, set this up. I got a game I want to play with you here. So, okay. Yeah, you were talking about you got a good memory here. So, uh, okay. Let's let's see how good this memory is here. Give me a second to set this up. All right. This is a game I like to call play with my guests. I call it Black or Blue. Your category today is Look Ma, I'm on TV. Fictional TV characters. Fictional TV characters. I'm going to name a character for you that was on TV. And you tell me, was that person a black character? Meaning they were a black civilian? Are they blue? Meaning they were a non-black law enforcement officer. right? Or are they black and blue? Meaning they're a black cop. So you got black, you got blue, you got black and blue. Easy? Oh, okay. We'll see. <laughs> All right. All right. Your first one here. Let's see. Virgil Tibbs. Virgil Tibbs. Oh, he was um black. He was in uh Heat of the Night. Yeah. He. But what did he do? I'm, I'm gonna give you this one. What did he do on Heat of the Night? He was a detective. Right. So he's black and blue, right? Okay. Black and blue. Okay. Black and blue. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now you got it, right? Yep. All right. So your next one, Olivia Pope. Olivia Pope. Scandal. Yeah. What is she? Black, black or blue or blue? Oh gosh. Is she a cop? No, she's not a cop. So she is black. Black. There we go. See, I'm I'm giving you these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about uh, Lydia Grant? Lydia Grant. Lydia Grant. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna guess at that. She is blue, and I don't remember what she. No. Oh. oh, that was uh, Deb- Deb- played yeah. by Debbie Allen on Fame. You remember that show, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Of course Dance I do. Teacher. Yes. Yeah, that was my show right there. How about you next one? How about uh, Mary Beth Lacey? Mary Beth. Cagney. Cagney and Lacey. And that would make her what? Black and blue. No, she's not black. She's just blue. Oh, that's 
that's right. My bad. You're right. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it up. Yeah, you see like, that picture? You had it, you had it, but yeah, she she wasn't a sister, but she was definitely blue. All right, we're, we're getting you here. We're getting you here. How about your next one, Dro, Joe Friday? Joe Friday. Joe Friday was uh, was he dragnet? No. Joe Friday. He, okay, he was blue. He was blue. Yes, he was dragnet. Played by Jack Webb. Oh, yeah. okay. See, you're getting it now. How about uh, your next one, Lester Freeman? Lester Freeman. Lester Freeman. Come on. Okay, you've ever seen this show? This. Come on. Too bad I don't have my phone, so I can cheat. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to cheat. Come on now, integrity. <laughs> you're right, integrity. Okay. Lester gonna, Freeman. Yeah. Lester Freeman. Okay, black and blue. Ah, see, you guessed right. Oh, I guessed right. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, from The Wire. You ever see The the Wire? Yeah, you know I watched The Wire. Yes, yes. So you remember Lester, right? Yes. Yes, all right. Your next one. A few more here for you. Uh, Ron Harris. Ron Harris. Oh, he's um black and blue. He was in... uh Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Barney Miller. Yeah. Barney Miller. Yeah. Uh, see, you're getting it now. You, you're coming on strong now. How about your next one? Mary Jane Paul. Mary Jane Paul. She was just black. She was just black. Yeah. Played by Gabrielle Union. On oh, being yeah. Mary I remember Jane. being Mary Jane. Yes. That was a good show. That was my show there. And your last nice one, here. your last one here is Sinclair James. Sinclair James. She was just black. She was in uh, that one show. Yes. <laughs> Living single. Yeah. You're gonna sing it right. Yeah. You I, you came on strong there on the end, so I'm gonna say that you are a winner. Go up. All right. <laughs> All right. We are back. All right. So that was fun there. You 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 came on strong there at the end. It yeah, was fun. You're that, right. That I like that. <laughs> All <laughs> right. All right, Sharon. Well, again, thank you for everything. And, uh, you know, get through this this health crisis here. And uh, when you come out on the other side, we'll be here for you. All right. Thank you. And remember, right. we live in a time when knowledge is out there. We should be getting all the knowledge we can. Yes, ma'am. And we will. And we will. All right. You take care. Be safe out there. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my guests on this episode, retired Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department Officer Sharon Franklin for joining me here today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I wish you a long, prosperous and healthy retirement. Thank you once again. And if you guys out there enjoyed this episode as well, make sure you like and subscribe to the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or whatever podcast platform you hear my voice today. I'll be back next week. Same black time, same black channel. But till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.